Hi, and welcome to the RPG Academy Show and Tell. Show and Tell is a show where we like to bring on someone in the RPG space and talk about something cool they're working on. I'm Mo, and today we're talking about Robbie, designer of the RPG Enclave. Hey, Robbie. How you doing, Mo? I'm all right. Um, who are you, and uh, what's the elevator pitch for Enclave? So, my name is Robbie Howell. Um, I am a father, a husband, and a TTRPG designer in that order. And uh, I've been working in the TTRPG space kind of on the peripheries uh, for quite a few years at this point, um, mostly doing live hosting stuff with games that I create myself rather than ever trying to publish. Uh, Enclave will be my first attempt to actually publish one of my work rather than uh, doing a, like a paid live hosting service of some kind. Um, and I'm terrifically excited for it. Enclave is a diceless but rules deep game uh, that kind of takes the classic squad style structure that you'll see in games like D&D and Pathfinder, uh, but takes an entirely diceless approach that tries to reward player effort as much as possible without having any uh, external randomization elements whatsoever. Nice. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting feels of a game called Amber, but we will get yes. to that <laughs> in a moment. Um, why did you uh, get into game design? So uh, when I was seven, bringing that way back, um, I really was quite fascinated by those video games. Uh, but my parents were the type to really try to curb me <laughs> playing video games. Like, we, we do play some. I, I found a love of Age of Empires that I retain to this day during that era. But uh, going over to friends' houses, seeing all the cool stuff they had, made me want to do it. And so we did the next logical step and started trying to act them out. Um, this naturally escalated to the point where I started trying to like make my own versions of these like acted out video games um, to the point where when I was 12, I had a game that was being played by like 20 people. And then when I was 14, I had a game that broke 30. Um, and so high school for me was largely just an excuse to find new players to try my work. Um, it was, I didn't even know that D&D &D existed until I was 17. Like I, <laughs> I'd heard the name, right? But I didn't know anything about what it meant. Um, I came to like my stuff entirely through convergent evolution, trying to, again, imitate the cool video games that I saw and then just kind of spinning off in my own direction. Um, my game Enclave, I developed when I was, like it, the Enclave we see today came about when I was 20. So nine years ago at this point, but, uh, I had like been trying to do something like it for a bunch of years before. The name came before anything else, and I was like, "Ooh, that's a good name. I got to do something with that, right?" Mm -hmm. um, and the the real the thing that really turned it around um, was when I tried to make Enclave. I, I made Enclave characters have personality traits, which is not something I had done in any of my games before, um, and gave kind of players incentives to try to act out their personality traits and kind of get into character rather than just, you know, being themselves, which is what I had generally had as my MO in former games. Nice. Um, so this is awesome because you've like, it, it struck me as amusing and annoying when I realized that, uh, uh, like RPG stopped meaning tabletop role-playing games has started making <laughs> video games, right? Yeah. And you took a form that was a um, adaptation of 
TTRPGs and you adapted it into a TTRPG. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, and the weird thing is with Enclave, I was inspired by Diablo 2 more than anything right. else. I love Diablo 2. And of course, Diablo 2 comes directly from D&D. So right. I'm like re-inspired by D&D by two steps removed or something. And uh, I mean, the game looks nothing like Diablo now, but like that's where it came from, I guess. That, that, that's so awesome. Um, what kind of experience or feelings am I going to get playing uh, Enclave? Well, I think the thing I would hope beyond all else is that you would be invested. Like the, the thing that I say at like the beginning of the rule set is that the, the way I built the game is to try to build player investment in the story um, and to make them buy into it as much as possible. So in that respect, I have, I have mechanics that incentivize you directly interfacing with the world that your, your host has created. I have mechanics that allow you to add elements to that world in a collaborative manner, uh, not entirely freeform. They always have to have like justifications behind them and your host is the final say in that, but it allows you to not only kind of participate more actively in the world building process, but mm -hmm. also give you rewards for doing so, um, like in terms of your in-game success. Uh, and beyond all that, like for me, I love acting. Acting is kind of how I came, or like, I guess you could say how I came to games. Cause like, since I was acting out video games, acting is very heavily involved. And, and for right. me, I love the role-playing element of role-playing games. And because of that, there are a lot of incentives in Enclave for actually trying to play your character. I do emphasize trying here. Um, I don't care how good of an actor you are. What I care is that you're trying. Uh, mm -hmm. And so because of that, uh, I've really tried to like set up the rule set such that people of all acting levels and backgrounds can still be like incentivized and rewarded for doing their best. Uh, even if like, you know, you, you learn, you grow, you change, you, you maybe get a little better, but that's not really the point. <laughs> the the right, point is right. that you're like, you're the investment that you're demonstrating in the game through your acting commitment um, kind of reinforces how much you're enjoying it and how into it you are. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, how's this different from a LARP? So a couple of things. I, I learned about LARP when I was about 18. Uh, we were doing college tours and I saw a bunch of dudes out front of one. And I'm like, that looks sick, right? right. Um, the big difference with Enclave and LARP is that LARP has a very heavy focus on like dress up and what I would call like heavy commitment. Mm -hmm. um there's there's dress up elements there's live combat um sometimes there are like some more like mediating mechanics within combat to like uh make it feel a little more video gamey you know um enclave doesn't do that uh we're we're pretty much entirely verbal i do love doing a like very very light physical simulation literally just standing up and saying like where on the body are you trying to hit like that sort of thing <laughs> that's about the extent that we go to um part of my like it's a, it's a little cutesy, but my tagline for Enclave is it's a tableless role-playing game. Because you can literally just be like walking and playing Enclave pretty comfortably. Gotcha. Um, assuming you know the game well enough to like not need to consult your character sheet or your rule set, which is like very abundantly doable, I would say. Um, so it, it kind of, uh, it doesn't have nearly the level of like pomp and circumstance that LARP has. Um, and it's a lot easier to pick up and put down, whereas a lot of LARPs, are glorious and spectacular, but have a very high barrier to entry. Um, I'd say the other thing is Enclave is a little bit more mechanically oriented than a LARP. Um, mm. Obviously, LARPs have many mechanics to them, but Enclave uh, tries to take things like, most people are not gonna have a good understanding of what it means to like get very badly injured uh, in the process of like 
their work in game, right? And so Enclave tries to take like a, a summary that kind of explains getting injured in a way that's accessible and like quite realistic so that you just have like a quick like litmus test for like, okay, how badly am I hurt? How is it getting worse? Let's, now that I understand that, let's move on. Right. Um, whereas in LARP, you might see that either like more deeply quantified or just like not talked about and you just worry about it when it comes up. Both of which are very acceptable ways of going about it. Right. So it's depending a, it's on what kind of game you're playing, right? Yeah, you could almost say that Enclave and like my my like diceless genre kind of bridges the gap between traditional TTRPGs and LARP. Hmm. Okay, <clears throat> how does it work? How do we determine who uh, does better at a thing? Yeah. Uh, so I have a like three and a half step process. The first and most important one is common sense, and you say, okay, if you have two people in an arm wrestling contest. All things else being equal, uh, who's stronger? You have a pretty decent idea of who's stronger. Go for it. Assuming let's let's take the arm the arm wrestling example and roll with it, right? Let's say both people are somehow perfectly equally strong and have right. the exact same form. They're like both like at loggerheads, right? Instead of a die roll, I go off of a couple of different things. First of all, which would tell a better story? That one is pretty easy once you get a hang of it. As in, you can say, okay, well. If it's a hero versus villain thing, would it be good for the hero to like? Would it tell a better story if the hero won this engagement? Um, sometimes the villain, it's better for them to win, especially if uh, if that will like give the heroes another opportunity to like take another route around, or like, you know what I mean? Setbacks can still tell good stories. Absolutely. Um, most importantly, though, I would say the second part, and this is where a lot of the like rewards and incentives for acting come in, is. Who is demonstrating a greater commitment to the game? And so in a player versus player context, um, if you have one person uh, who is like, you know, they're doing their thing, but you have another person who's like actually going through the process. They are gritting their teeth. They're trying to like, like grit out what their character is saying. They're like flexing their arm, demonstrating what they're doing. I'm giving them the win. They deserve it. They like put in the work for that thing. Um, gotcha. And if it's a, a case where it's a player versus an in-game character, that way I can I can kind of like take a, a less oppositional approach to it and say, do I genuinely feel like this player has put in the effort through their character acting, through their interfacing with the game world, through their buy-in to the game where they, they've earned this? And the answer is often yes. Um, but it also allows different hosts to kind of have different approaches uh, to conflict resolution in game, depending on what their own personal metrics are uh, for what, like, again, you could say worthiness looks like. And the host is the game facilitator? Yeah, I use the term conduit personally. Um, I don't care what other people use, but for me, um, I don't really feel comfortable with the term game master, uh, especially because in Enclave, you're, as a host, you're in control of like at least 85% of what's going on, but it's mm -hmm. not the 99 to 95% you might see in other games. So rather than being a master who's in charge, I see myself more as a connection between the players and the game, like a, a conduit, gotcha. right? So yeah. I, I use host because it's like a little more like universal, I guess. So you said that, you know, a challenge like an arm wrestling would be negotiated and judged by whom? Is that by the conduit? Yeah. Or is that by the people at the table? Yeah, that's going to be the conduit. The conduit is going to have the final say in that sort of resolution. Um, and it's them who gets to make the judgment call on uh, player commitment and storytelling. Um, now, the players have a lot of ability to influence the story in other ways. 
Um, one of my favorite examples is a mechanic called pitching. Uh, this most commonly manifests through the in-game luck stat. Um, instead of having luck be something that influences dice rolls and things, it allows you to say, hey, can I suggest this thing to be a thing in the story, either right. in the world or to happen? Um, and based on how reasonable it is, um, how well it fits into the conduit story and the character's luck stat, the conduit can say, oh yeah, I love that, or eh, can't really figure that in, or most often, I like pieces of it, so I'm going to take pieces of it. Um, and so with a pitch, you could say in the arm wrestling example, um, if a person is like really gritting it out and they're, they're, they realize that they're at a deadlock or that they're losing, they can say, can I do a pitch that maybe my opponent's grip is starting to slip from the sweat or something like that? Um, and that could be a way that they could get an edge in that situation without uh, like just directly invalidating it, I suppose, because a big part of pitching is trying to like add to the world rather than just kind of taking what the, the what the conduit has created and substituting in your own version. Hmm. Is there a like uh, an economy for luck stats and or pitching? I leave like, it largely up. So many per game, or no? It, it's largely up to the host. Uh, the way I see it is. Um, it's pretty, like, once you've seen it used, you can get, like, a decent litmus test of what feels reasonable. Mm -hmm. um, I give some examples in book of what I would call reasonable at different luck stats. Mm -hmm. um, but so much of it is contextual that I find, I found, I, I did debate doing a, a finite number, but it just kind of felt reductive uh, and made it feel like people would be, like, really, really stingy uh, with their luck rather than trying to, like, actively use it, which I think makes for a much more interesting and vibrant and collaborative experience. Cool. Um, you, you mentioned the luck stat. Um, what other stats or uh, uh, kind of levers do yeah. players have when uh, creating characters and using them in the game? Quite a lot. Uh, Enclave is, like, a, like I said, a lot more um, in-depth than a lot of diceless games tend to go. Uh, in Enclave, all classes, all characters have access to 12 stats. Um, mm -hmm. as well as the gear afforded them by their class, as well as abilities afforded them by the class. Um, each of the 12 stats has a, like a, a relatively clear either storytelling or logical niche. Um, but one of, the, one of the great things is that if you're a first-time player who's just diving in with an experienced group, or especially an experienced host, uh, you kind of don't really need to know what a lot of the stats do and just try things out, and if your conduit says, hey, what's this stat? You can check it, and at that point, it's relevant. Um, but they all have kind of like little boilerplate descriptors. Would, it, would you like to hear them? Uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so, if you, just give me give me a couple that, like, you know, yeah, I'll give, give you the cool a, ones. <laughs> feel, a feel for the game. Because, and I guess the reason I asked for a couple is because, um, you know, often uh, what the characters get to do determine what kind of game we're playing absolutely you know? so um I, I guess that's what i'm i'm curious yeah about. totally i'll give you one of the the i'll give you one other and it's a, an interesting one we have a stat called will mm -hmm. uh the will stat uh, much like luck gives you access to pitching uh will gives you access to something called defiance and defiance allows you say you're experiencing a, a negative in-game effect anything mm -hmm. from you've been cursed in some way uh, to your your character is literally like overwhelmed with fear and you're you've gone through the acting process to demonstrate that if you're like starving if you're exhausted all these things you could call like negative effects defiance allows you to 
throw off or at least temporarily hold at bay one of these effects mm -hmm. through demonstrating kind of an in-character climactic turning point. You, you show your character kind of grappling with the thing, you show them coming to some sort of resolution with it, and depending on how compelling your, your process was, your conduit might say, that thing is gone for good, or especially if it's something physiological like hunger, it's gone for a little while. Mm -hmm. um, my favorite example is, I have an example in the, in the rule set where uh, a character is stricken with a magical fear, and as he's fleeing, he trips over the body of a dead ally. By going through that like grapple with shame and guilt and, and anger at himself, he can say, I want to use my defiance to throw off this fear. And assuming like that's a really, that's like a home run pitch right there. You have that, your content is going to be like, hell yeah, let's do it, man. Like, because uh, that, that again brings in drama and stakes, and as well as it, it demonstrates a lot of player effort. You're not just invalidating the, the negative effect that, that the story has brought into play. You are instead kind of showing how your character is interfacing with it, and again, earning the the effect of being being removed from you rather than just having it be gone. Right. What kind of game is this, Robbie? Um, you mentioned magic, arm wrestling, uh, dead uh, comrades. Like, yeah, I don't think we've talked about a genre yet. The the easiest answer is all of them. Um, I have Enclave. Uh, set in a self-contained multiverse that has no limitations on tech level, magic level, fantasy, whatever. Um, I, I leave it entirely up to the playgroup and the and the conduit to determine what they want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and I have a, a process in there for for generating missions for your group to go on. Um, I love the improv side of things, so I like to do this on the spot. Um, but my my process is. Every player gives you a word or a short phrase. It's called a focus word. You take those as inspiration. You make a mission. Um, mm. And my, my suggestion is always make 10% of the mission, less than that even, 5% mm -hmm. if you want. Mm -hmm. Leave the rest to improvisation. Give them the mm -hmm. bones and then, and then let the actual gameplay flesh it out. Um, this process is pretty daunting, uh, especially if you're trying to do it fast at first. But if you give yourself like an afternoon or something, you'll be fine. Like there's, there's a lot you can do. Uh, the classes come from a variety of backgrounds. I have them largely in kind of like a roughly medieval, roughly magical thing, because that's what most people expect. But um, there are many other classes that I have I've designed for my own like legacy game and others that I, I hope to release should this rule set succeed uh, that come from a massive variety of backgrounds. Nice, nice. So it's kind of a generic uh, role-playing system? Yeah, largely speaking, uh, that you can bring what you want to, but also has like the the classes that I have in game. They're they're quite fleshed out. If you right. wanted to, with your with your playgroup, say, hey, can we like only do high fantasy medieval stuff? Sure, let's not have a gunslinger. That's reasonable. Mm -hmm. I have no problem mm -hmm. with that. Um, but for because for me, the the overall approach the game takes is a lot more important. You want to make your own classes, knock yourself out. It's not hard. Like, <laughs> gotcha. the, I'm sure you can make some great stuff. In, in our in the legacy game that I was hosting for for all these years leading up to this point, we had over 120 unique classes, um, and I intend on bringing as many of those as I possibly can uh, to to this published version of the game. Even though we're only starting with six. Nice. How how long? Is, how many pages is this going to be? It's going to be 60 pages. Uh, is I tried to keep it as short as I possibly could, um, right. with the goal being of it being like a, a starting point for people to jump in. Um, and then once they 
like the system, like figure out they want to go more with it, like they're comfortable. Um, my hope is to, assuming this, uh, this rule set succeeds, I want to put out a, another level that doesn't repeat any information and just lets you kind of buy into the game at whatever level of complexity you want. Right. That's awesome, man. Thank you so um, much. Yeah, I was like, I, I was going to ask, like, how do you support GMs in this? And you, like, you, you kind of broke down how you um, create games and how we adjudicate things. Oh, yeah. I have and, uh, um I have like ten pages of the of the sixty page rule set entirely devoted to advice for conduits, um and, uh, and a section for players as well. But the the conduit is going to be there's a lot of pressure on a host always, uh, mm -hmm. and so I wanted to devote as much as I could to saying yeah, here's how I'd recommend you resolve tricky calls, or here's kind of the the mindset that I have going in. Um, here's how to get good feedback from your players. Here's how to design elements of missions. Here's how to like speed up a mission that's going too slowly. Like mm. trying to cover as many bases as I can. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, are, do you have uh, APs in the world that people can check out if they wanted to see the game being played? What? Any virtual how-tos? Oh, actual play. Pardon. Actual play. Sorry. I don't know what AP. Yeah, I have a. I and have the a RP team. in the TTRPG space, <laughs> GMs and NPCs have lots of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm still wrapping my like like I said, I've been on the periphery of the game design like mm -hmm. space for quite a while. It's cool. So it's I'm cool. still learning a lot. Um yeah, on my I I've recently made a YouTube channel just for Enclave. Mm -hmm. Um I have a full form mission with uh that I hosted with two brand new players who've never touched the rule set before. Um they did amazingly, uh, as well as a couple of other kind of in-context examples with some more veteran players. I intend to put more missions on there going forward. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping, especially once the Kickstarter is over, I, I want to do a lot of like hosting of like public missions in, in a Discord server that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. um, that one's open to join as well. Uh, so I, wa I want to make like, I want to be as accessible as possible to the player base because um, I mean, I love hosting and I think it's the, the best like how can how can you know how people are interfacing with the game unless you're actually like in the process of doing it? Um, you said Enclave was an awesome name, and I agree, it's an awesome evocative name. But yeah. why, if this game is generic and it's kind of what the game can be, what does Enclave mean? So we have, even though I, I've tried to open up the the setting and the thematics of the game as much as I possibly can, they mm -hmm. all do tie together with one overarching story. And that story is within this self-contained multiverse, the world is called Manifold. Manifold can be whatever you want it to be. But within that world, there is one thing that must be true and one thing that cannot be messed with. And that is the Enclave, which is a mercenary organization to which all player characters belong. The Enclave is described as being mysterious, inscrutable, and omnipresent. It's always in the background, like very, very delicately meddling with history all over this infinite world. And whenever you are playing the game, you are a squad of Enclave agents being deployed across the infinite world on missions together. I, I love the word Enclave because of how it sounds, but also the meaning is, you know, a, a closed community that is mm -hmm. separate from the world. And so this organization was trying to be the, that one closed in, secretive, incredibly like specialized and intimidating thread that connects every part of this infinite world together and allows the game to be a lot more structured. Um, Enclave is, lends itself extremely well to one shots, which really helps the game like 
be scheduled. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure you know that one from experience, mm -hmm. as many people do. Um, and also allows you to just go to a new a new subworld within the infinite world in every single session, like enormous variety. And if you like a place, you can go back to it. You could spend an entire like multi like multi session campaign there if you wanted. Right. Um, but for people who want to be like bouncing around, seeing something new every time, working with a different group of people every time, the the enclave mission format really facilitates that very effectively. And so that's why the game is what it is. And also how I kind of tried to anchor a little bit of the madness uh, of its open setting. Uh, we should have said that at the top. Because <laughs> that sounds awesome. <laughs> I'm like, diceless, um, you know, negotiating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, okay, <laughs> we're, we're super strike force yeah. out of time and space who have to go and save the universe. Okay, now nah, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, and it also, even better, it allows people from like characters from all these like wacky backgrounds just mm -hmm. like smash together. You have to work together. Right. So you could right, have right. like a, a caveman with fire magic being paired up. I mean, that doesn't exist in this version, but I'm again talking about like the, the broader scale legacy version I'm building towards. Have him paired up with a space marine. Mm -hmm. how, do, how are they gonna work together? How mm -hmm. are they gonna synergize? What sort of culture shock is he gonna come across? I love that sort of thing. And it's such a fun addition to missions, um, even on top of all the cool things that can happen on missions. Right, right. That sounds pretty cool. Uh, how can uh, listeners support you and uh, Enclave? Thank you very much for asking. Well, I have my Kickstarter going. I, I don't know if you'd be up to posting a link, but I, I can, if you, if you have, look up Enclave, uh, a tableless role-playing game on Kickstarter. That's one way to find it. Um, I do also have uh, a YouTube channel and a Discord server that people would be more than welcome uh, to join to learn more about the game and see how it develops from here. Are you, are you uh, gonna tell us how to get there? Yeah, uh, the YouTube channel is at Robbie Lava Games, R-O-B-B-Y-L-A-V-A-G-A-M-E-S. And the Discord server, I don't think I can speak the URL, but if it's you would okay. be willing to include a link, that would be perfect. I can include a link. And you you probably have that link someplace, don't you? Mm -hmm. It's on the Kickstarter, and I can also, I mean, I can I can email it to you, but I'll have it on my, my Kickstarter and on my YouTube channel. Excellent. Cool. Um so people can become part of the community and they can check out the game and mm -hmm. uh, check out your APs and see if they like it. That's awesome. Thank you very much. Um, it was great talking to you, Robbie. You uh, as well. I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by Enclave. Uh, I like I like how freeform it is. You know, yeah. um, I, I've played LARPs. I've played tabletop RPGs. And sometimes when the mechanics really encourage you to lean in, it could be some real over-the-top fun. So yeah, it's really absolutely. Cool to see a game like this. Thank you very much. Because it's like you roll a dice and you're like, okay, I win. And yeah. <laughs> like but, that's cool and awesome, but you know, sometimes it doesn't have a lot of emotion to it. Absolutely. And the way I see it is that dice are improv tools. Like mm -hmm. that's that's all they are in a game, uh, in a tabletop game that is. All Enclave is saying is, I don't think we need those tools for this game. There we go. Well, you have other ways to adjudicate things. So exactly that's awesome. right. Thank you very thank, much, Mal. Thank you for, for joining us. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show, and if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. 
You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. Music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.